0: Welcome back to the podcast. This is But What's Next with me, Michelle Reed. I have a very special guest for today's episode. If you guys don't know who Christy Wright is, she is a part of the Dave Ramsey Network. She has a show. It's the Christy Wright Show. She's also the founder of Business Boutique, which helps teach women how to actually make money doing what they love. So she is coming out with a book. It's called The Guilt-Free Guide to Life Balance, and it is such a good read, and it really opened my eyes to a lot of things that I just didn't really realize about work-life balance and Having balance in your life and does balance actually exist? And it was just such an interesting conversation that we got to have. And so I really wanted to share this episode with you guys. I was diving back into some of my analytics, and actually, one of my most listened to episodes that I've done is the one that I talked about kind of changing the way that I live my life and slowing down and just really trying to be more present in my life. And these are all topics that we cover in this episode. So I just think it's a very fruitful conversation. I think it's something that you can take a lot of little Points from and just apply them to your own life, regardless of the stage of life that you're in. If you're a mom, if you're single, if you're in college, like whatever it may be, I think that this can be just really helpful for you. And as you can tell, we talked for quite a bit of time, so I'm going to keep my life update short for today. I'm recording this on the evening of July 4th so I hope you guys had a happy July 4th. I hope a lot of you guys actually have off on July 5th if you're listening to this on the Monday that it comes out. We just got back from a week-long vacation with my family. We went to... Rosemary Beach in Florida, and it was such a great time. We had so much fun. It was just so nice to get to spend quality time with my family. I feel like we've all been so busy the past few months, and my sister in law is pregnant, my sister Lindsay's pregnant, and my parents were visiting my brother who just had a baby. And so there's just a lot of moving parts. And while I live really close to my family, I think it's a lot different when you get to have just unplugged time together and to really spend quality time with people that really mean a lot to you. And so I'm just so thankful for this trip. I'm so thankful that kind of God aligned everything for it to happen. My entire family didn't get to come, but most of them did. And now I'm back to work mode. I feel like I have kind of taken a little bit of a break on content. I was only posting once a week for the past two weeks on YouTube, which is something that I really don't. Love doing, but quite honestly, it's so easy with this job to get burned out and to kind of lose inspiration and just not have ideas. And so, I really needed that time to recharge and just really spend time with my family, and especially when you're vlogging your life and vlogging everything. I also turned 23, which is really exciting. For some reason, I never really care about getting older, but this birthday in particular I was so happy because I got to spend it at the beach with my family but I think that up until this point all of the stages of my life have kind of been mapped out and now it's just kind of like okay you're married and you're in Dallas and the rest is up to you and so I think I'm in a phase of my life where I'm really trying to figure out what I want to be spending my time on the people that I want to surround myself with and it's a very kind of lull period of life but at the same time i I think it's a really good time for me just to really think more deeply about how I want the next like five years of my life to go. I also wanted to note that the audio is a bit quiet on Chrissy's end for the first kind of 10 minutes or so, but it gets back to normal. So if you just keep listening, I promise it will get back to the normal volume. You might have to turn it up for a little bit, but I just wanted to note that and let's just go ahead and get into the interview. Yeah. Just to start this off, I would love just to hear some more for my audience who doesn't know who you are, who you are and what you do exactly. So
1: my official title is uh, Ramsey personality. I'm also author of the book business boutique, which includes a business boutique podcast and events we do every year. I have a coaching group called the Academy, but really I just love helping people get unstuck and have a better life. And so we've kind of branched out in the last year to more than just business where I love helping people take control of their time and create their version of life balance. So this is kind of the new season we're in as a brand, but also that I'm kind of living out as a person as well. So
0: awesome. And I'd love to hear some more about how you got into speaking and actually starting your business boutique program and kind of your career journey up to now.
1: You know, in, 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 in life, I feel like a lot of times when you're going through something, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense all the time. And then in hindsight, you're like, oh, wow, I see how those things work together for what I'm doing now. And so, um, you know, when I was six months old, my mom uh, started a, a little cake shop to raise and support me. And I was raised in the business. And then, hmm. it, you know, in high school, I worked in the business. And then in college, I went to school for business. Then I became a certified business coach. I started my own side businesses. So you start to see this pattern of business, business, business. And um, and so when I became a part of the team here at Ramsey Solutions and became a speaker and writer, we were kind of figuring out, okay, what's my focus going to be? Um, it just made sense to do business because that was my mm-hmm. background. That was what I love to do. And at the same time that you see this theme in my life, there was also really a huge movement in our culture of side businesses, solopreneurs, mompreneurs, side gigs, side hustles, where it's easier than ever before to start a business. And so a lot of people were getting into business, but they didn't know how to do business. And so they quickly got overwhelmed, and they had lots of questions. And I thought, well, gosh, I know business; I can help them with business. And so that was kind of the the inspiration behind Business Boutique, taking what I know and love how to do to help people figure out what they know and love, and show them how to do it. And so that started as as an event in 2015, and then, like I said, has turned into annual events, and a best selling book, and a podcast, and a coaching group, and all that good stuff. Um, But what's interesting is um, I did not join the team here as a speaker. I started, I was in my mid twenties. I started as a youth project coordinator and I was in charge of all the, this was way before business boutique, before we had any other speakers, we had 200 people at our company. We now have like over a thousand. And, um, And so at that time I was in charge of like our kids Bible studies and kids books and piggy banks and all that kind of stuff. And um, the short version of the story is in spring of 2010, when I've been here about six months, um, Dave Ramsey's daughter, Rachel Cruz, who's a good friend of mine now, she was in college. She was graduating college and she was gonna come on our team and kind of be the face of the youth and teen market. you know, And um, and someone in my department had set up an arrangement where she was gonna speak all over the country to 20 different uh, conferences. It was one conference, but 20 different dates and locations and at some point i inherited the arrangement and two weeks before she's supposed to go on the road we get the travel schedule i'm like 26 michelle like i'm Mm -hmm. just like i'm just like over my little cubicle figuring out how to like you know lead products and piggy banks and organize this conference with these people and we get the travel schedule and it was a nightmare um Mm -hmm. they booked two and three connections you were in an airport 18 hours a day i had to take the schedule to her dad dave ramsey And uh, get it approved and he was like, No, she's not doing this. This travel schedule's crazy, it's more than we agreed to. She can do 10 of those dates. Um, not twenty, but they can pick which ten. And so I take the travel schedule back to this conference. The the representative and his, his name is Chase, and and I said, Hey, I'm so sorry. This is really more than we agreed to. She can do 10, and you can pick whichever 10. You're welcome. Um, but she can't do twenty. And And he said, Christy, what am I going to do for the other 10 dates? I don't have her booked for 10. I have her booked for 20. What am I going to do? And I said, I'll do them. And he said, can you speak? I said, I think so. Never spoken in my life, Michelle. But I went on the road that summer and I spoke for 10 of those dates. I went with Rachel to the other 10 and ran her AV. And that fall, our company created a speakers group because Dave Ramsey was turning down 3,000 requests a year for speaking events, So they created this speakers group and just slid me in it. No audition, no interview, no application. I just did a good job there. And that became something added to my plate um, in addition with managing projects. And I did that for about four years until that evolved into what's now the Ramsey personalities, a lot more sophisticated Mm -hmm. and official. But it started out by just speaking on nights and weeks uh, at family reunions and Kentucky County Mm -hmm. libraries and high schools.
0: Wow, that is so cool. You kind of talk about that in your book too, a little bit about how, like, you'll make one decision and then it'll lead somewhere that you never expected. Right. And speaking of, I'd love to share. I just went through and read your entire book this weekend. I had a weekend alone, my husband was out of town, and it was so good. I had so many points. I actually recorded a solo episode for my podcast and I kept bringing up the books. So there's just so many things oh, that came you. up. Yeah, of course. And I'd love for you to share kind of your inspiration behind it. And for those that don't know, Chrissy has a book coming out and it's called Take Back Your Time, The Guilt-Free Guide to Life Balance. And I talk a lot on my YouTube channel that I run. And then also my podcast, just this principle of kind of slowing down and kind of like the anti-hustle culture. And so I'd love for you just to share more about why you felt inspired to write this book, particularly.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like this is a message I have been wanting to write for over a decade. Um, because back to those early speaking days, speaking of. Um, I got all the requests for our company that no one knew what to do with. So all the other speakers had like a specific message and market. Most of them were money. Well, all the requests we got that no one knew what to do, with, they gave to me. So it was a great training ground as a speaker to figure out how to speak on different topics to different audiences. Well, one of the requests we got was from a fortune 500 company. Do you have a speaker that can speak on life balance? And we said, Hmm. we sure do. (laughs) So I just started doing research and research and research on life balance. At this time, I was not married and didn't have any kids. And so figuring out what the pain points were around this topic at that stage of life looked totally different than what it looks like to me now as a mom of three kids under age six. And so Hmm. I feel like this has been, this book is the culmination of a decade of research and living it out and figuring it out in my own life um, for a long time. But I just remember one of those early speaking events I went to it was at Purdue university in 2010 and I spoke on life balance because that's what they, that's what they asked for. And I remember, I I talked about living from your values. And when you live from your values, you feel a sense of balance. And I remember this woman came up to me and she had tears in her eyes and she said, I want to do that. I just don't know how to do that. She said, it's been so long since I've ever considered myself that I don't even Mm -hmm. know what I want for my life. And I remember being 26 and looking in her eyes thinking, that's a problem i want to help solve i don't know how quite yet but that Mm -hmm. is something that i feel like is a pain point that that people need help with and so it's just funny to think back that that it started almost a decade ago and Mm -hmm. um or over a decade ago i guess and and now i get to have a book on it so it's just it's one of those things that is such a pain point for people um, Mm -hmm. that i wanted to help them with you know and i wanted to bring something new to the conversation Where we're always talking about spinning plates and juggling balls and how you keep everything in the air. It's like, well, I want to talk about it differently. I want to talk about the guilt that eats away at us. I want to talk about what balance looks like if you are a stay at home mom, a career woman, an Olympian, an empty nester. It's a pain point for all of us. So, how can we talk about the underlying issues that make us feel like something is off or out of balance, as we would say? And how do we fix it at any stage of life? And so, I I was really excited to kind of bring something new to the conversation
0: I think yeah and that was something that I loved about your book because I'd always heard when people talked about balance it was okay how can I do 10 different things in the day and have a perfect you know percentage in each bucket of my life so for fitness for my relationships for my career and what I loved about your book was okay no you get to pick like three of those things it's very much you figuring out your priorities And something that I love that you talked about in the book was thinking about the person that you want to become and those five characteristics that you want to be known as. And I'd love for you to kind of share more about that perspective of balance instead of this perspective of just kind of juggling everything, like you mentioned, and how your definition of it is a little bit different.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that when I'm asked the question, I'm asked this question all the time. How do you balance it all? How do you balance it all? How do you balance it all? We always use the word balance as a verb, as something you're doing. How do you keep all the plates spinning? How do you tightrope walk? How do you juggle all the balls? When you think about all those activities, that feels exhausting. It feels stressful and it feels risky. It feels unachievable. So I thought, what if balance isn't something you do? How do you balance it all? It's a verb. What if balance is something you feel? Like I can feel balanced by doing the right things. And so... To your point, I think most people feel like balance is doing everything for an equal amount of time. And I I unpacked this in the book, but it's it's not that. It's not doing everything for an equal amount of time. You can do that and still feel out of balance. Instead, I believe life balance comes from doing the right things at the right time. And when you do the right things at the right time, whatever that is for you, in your season of life, with your priorities in any given day, you will feel the sense of balance you've been looking for because you are focusing on what's right right now. And mm. for people that are listening right now or watching and they're thinking, gosh, like I just, I have so many things going on or I feel so busy or I have so many interests. We want to do it all. And I, and I get that. I, I hear that. I would just encourage you that just because something is not right right now doesn't mean it's never right. There, there's mm. a ton of things I want to do. And when I start to feel guilty, like, oh, I should be doing that or I need to do more of that. I'm like, "Oh no, no, no. It's not that I'll never do it. I might do it tomorrow or next week, but what's right right now is wrestling with my kids on the trampoline. What's Mm -hmm. right right now is being fully present and engaged in this interview. What's right right now is sleep, whatever the thing is. And it just Mm -hmm. gives you permission to say no to a lot of things, which we all have to do without the guilt, because you're not saying never, you're just saying what's right right now. I'm going to do that so I can feel balanced and feel peace and be proud of how I'm spending my time. And then when that thing becomes the right thing at that time, then I'll do that.
0: talk about specific reasons why people feel out of balance and I'd love for you to kind of elaborate more on you had four specifically four reasons why we often feel out of balance and I'd love to hear more about which one you particularly struggle with
1: the most too. <laughs> That's an easy one. Probably <laughs> most like most of your listeners. So, life balance is doing the right things at the right time. There are four ways that we get out of balance. The first most obvious, probably most common to the people that are watching or listening in our crazy world is you're just doing too many things. The example I use, um, that I used recently at a speaking event is, you know, it's kind of like I come home from the grocery store and I've got like 50 bags and I open up the trunk of my SUV and I look at these 50 bags. And I'm like, oh yeah, I can get all these I can get them all <laughs> in one trip. And I'm loading up my arm because I don't want to make trips in my hands or Blue, my veins are popping out, and I'm like, Egh. I'm trying to be the incredible Hulk walking in. And inevitably, things fall, the sauce is rot- rolling down the street. Like, it's, 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 I'm exhausted, I can't breathe. I'm not at- because I was never meant to carry all that at one time. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you do too many things, you're always going to feel out of balance. When you're trying to cram more into your life than your life and your 24 hours a day can hold, of course, you're going to feel out of balance. And by the way, you're going to feel exhausted and rushed. So, the first most obvious is you're doing too many things. But the second is the opposite and many people may not think of this but you're not doing enough things some people experience this during the pandemic some people experience this maybe in a new season of life like they become an empty nester and they're trying to figure out wow i have all this time what do i do with it but if you don't have outlets to use your gifts that bring you joy that give you a sense of purpose you're going to feel out of balance and bored and so we all need things that enhance our life that give us joy that give us a sense of purpose that are outlets to use our gifts and strengths. So the first is you're doing too many things. The second, the opposite problem is you're not doing enough things. The third is you're doing the wrong things. So you're doing things that are not a priority. You're doing things out of guilt, out of obligation, things that do not bring you joy, do not give you energy. You're doing things um, that, that suck the energy and life out of you. When you do the wrong things, you're going to feel out of balance. For example, if you work in a job that you hate, a toxic environment. It absolutely sucks the life out of you. It does not matter how you manage your calendar. You're never going to feel balanced because you're doing the wrong things. You're spending a large portion of your time on something you hate. So of course you don't feel balanced. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: doing too many things, not doing enough things, doing the wrong things. And the fourth way that we get out of balance is not doing the right things. And those would be the things that are important to you. Your priorities, the things that bring you joy, the things that give you energy, If you're not doing them, you're going to be out of balance. I would use an example of someone that values working out. They love to run and they haven't worked out in months. They're going to feel tense and stressed because man, I love doing that. That's a part of who I am and I'm not spending time on it. Or someone that is a believer and really values going to church and they've gone months and months without going to church. Oh, I feel like something is, there's a disconnect in my life between what I care about and what I spend my time on. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not doing the right things, and the right things, by the way, are what are right for you, what you care about, what you think are important. If you're not doing those things, then you're going to feel out of balance because Mm -hmm. life balance is doing the right things at the right time. Mm -hmm. And so I I think when we start to understand why do I feel out of balance and it helps us know what's the problem we're trying to solve. And to your point, Michelle, for sure, mine is always too many. If I have 30 minutes, I'm like, Oh, I can clean my entire house. And I can also go run this errand and I can plan meals. And it's like, I am so unrealistic with what I think I can fit in time, which leaves mm-hmm. me rushed. Then I feel guilty because I don't get it all in. Then I'm anxious. Um, mm-hmm. a, a book that I love so much is the ruthless elimination of hurry. Yes. Book by Mark Homer. And he talks so good. About, this book about when we hurry and this all started from quotes by Dallas Willard, but he talks about when, if you think about yourself, Anybody watching, if you think about yourself, think about yourself when you're rushing. Think about yourself when you're in a hurry. What version of you are you? You're impatient, quickly angered. You're probably uh, unhappy and unkind. You're probably the worst version of yourself. You snap quicker. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, well, if I want to be nicer, why don't I just do less stuff, have more margin, rush less, Mm -hmm. be nicer and enjoy my life more? So for me, for sure, doing too many things, because I have a lot of interests, I always try to cram more in, but I'm trying to create margin. Um, And literally, I've started making decisions differently as a result of writing this book. I know this is so silly, but when someone asks me to do something, or I'm trying to decide if I want to do something, I ask myself now, will this require me to rush? So just Mm -hmm. like two weeks ago, I was texting with my girlfriend, Nikki, we work out together in the morning sometimes. And I said, hey, do you want to go to the Y in the morning? And she said, yes, come with me to spin it starts at six. Well, I would normally go at five. So I would be home by six and I would have plenty of time to have coffee before I have to go to work. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking in my mind, if I go at six, I'll get home at seven. I'll have to rush and get ready. I was like, nope, because that decision would require me to rush. So I was like, enjoy your spin class. I'm going to go at five and I got home at six and I was getting home by the time she was Mm -hmm. leaving and I got to enjoy my coffee and not rush. So I make decisions differently. When I ask myself, will this require me to rush? Because I just want to be a nicer version of myself
0: mostly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true though. And to work out at 5 a.m. At first, I thought you were going to say, no, six is too early. I'll be rushing out the door too early. (laughs) No, you said 5 a.m. I've always wanted to be one of those people who works out at five, but I give you major creds.
1: Listen, listen, children children it's a, it's an it's an yep. act of survival because that's the only time I got okay uh-huh. like it's, it's all it's then or never so I take it <laughs> yep
0: and I imagine with having three kids especially three under six you probably have a lot of distractions in your life and something that you talk about in your book are the five time traps that we face yeah. and yeah. I'd love for you to share more about those time traps and how people fall into them and then how you recommend people to avoid them.
1: Yeah, you know, and and those that list of time traps are is not exhaustive by any means. Mm -hmm. And those are examples. But for example, um, you know, these are things I've seen in myself, things I've struggled with, but also things I've seen as common, you know, issues with other people. Um, For example, the need to be loved, you know, Mm -hmm. that it's a normal need to be loved, we have a healthy need to be loved. But when that that need gets into the unhealthy area of I have to earn my love by saying yes to everyone else, because I want them to love me. Because I want to say yes to every commitment, to every volunteer opportunity, because I don't want to let anyone down. Well, that becomes into the area of codependency in an unhealthy way that I'm spending all my time on trying to please others and not being true to myself. So, so it can, they start out as healthy needs and then they can get unhealthy. Another one, as an example, making other people's problems your problem. I use an example of getting an email from a, my son's soccer organization saying, we don't have a coach. And I'm like, I'll do it. Suddenly I made their problem my problem. And I was miserable for a whole stinking four months while I was six months pregnant coaching these little four-year-olds. Like, why did I do this? Why did I make Mm. their problem my problem? Um, Another one is the need to prove yourself. A lot of um, uh, us feel that. Whether you feel the need to prove yourself in your career, so you come early, stay late, and you do more than anybody because you just need to prove that you deserve that position or that title. Or in motherhood, you sign up Mm. for every Um, class potluck and organizing every homeroom mom party teacher gift thing because you want to prove that you're a good mom and you use organic food and you have your kids in monogrammed smocked clothes because I just want to prove that I'm a good mom by God I'm not gonna send chips and salsa to the class potluck we do a lot of things to prove ourselves if we're honest if we're honest we don't really care on whether or not it's a home-cooked organic casserole or chips and salsa but we care about what other people think about what we sent. We care about what other people think of what our clothes our children wear. And so when you peel away the layers of what is the motivation that's driving this behavior and this action that is stealing my time, oh, you can have some tough looks in the mirror, Mm -hmm. but it also helps you solve it at the root level and go, you know what? I can buy chips and salsa or just say no to to contributing food at all for that matter Mm -hmm. and know that I'm still a good mom and know that I'm still okay. And, um, and I can say no to that invitation from a friend and know that they still love me. And if they don't, that's their problem, not mine. Mm-hmm. And so it just, it helps you get to the deeper issues that drive a lot of our motivation of why we give our time away.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. And another thing I wanted to ask is just kind of like this path to balance. And you talk about taking certain steps, very practical steps to finding that path. How would you recommend people to kind of take those steps or just talk about them more in terms of? the more practical side of things.
1: Sure. Well, the whole idea of life balance is kind of elusive. You know, it's like this shadow that haunts us. I, how do you balance it all? I need life balance. I don't have it. Mm-hmm. We, we don't know what it is. We just know we don't have it. And so I love to define it. Life balance is doing the right things at the right time and then tell you how to get there. So I gave a path in my book, I unpack this path to balance and it's five practical, actionable steps. First, figure out what matters. Number two, stop doing what doesn't matter. Number three, create a calendar that reflects what matters so that it actually Mm -hmm. happens. Number four, protect what matters. And that's all about boundaries and saying no. And then number five, be present for what matters. Because you can create the most perfect schedule in the world, but if you're not present for it, you miss it. And so Mm -hmm. when you start to walk through this and there's a chapter per step of the path, It helps you understand that this idea of life balance doesn't have to be elusive it's actually something very practical you can create in your life by the actions that you take in order to align your time in this one life you've been given to the things you actually care about and it's never going to be a perfect even split but what it is is it gives you the permission and empowerment and the confidence to spend your time in your one life on what's important to you and when you do that you will feel that sense of balance that you've been looking for and the cool thing is as we wrap up the book at the end to talk about seasons that can change your version of balance will look different when you're in high school when you're in your 20s when you're trying to build your career when you have young newborns when you have teenagers when you're an empty nester or if you don't have kids at all you know it's gonna look different for you and you get to go back through this path and at step one and say okay what matters now what matters in one season is different than what matters in a different one what matters to me in the summer is different than what matters to me in the fall in the summer I leave early, I go to the lake on the weekends, I play with my kids in the fall, I'm launching this book, I'm on the road, it's crazy. So it just allows you to assess your life in each season and reevaluate what does life balance look for me right like, like for me right now and it, it reminds you what that is and also allows you to do the right things at the right time even as those right things may change.
0: Yeah. And one part that I loved, I forgot which chapter it was actually in, but you were talking about kind of the aspect of a reputation and how you define it as reputation comes from consistent behavior over time. And when I was reading it, I was like, I'd never thought of it in that way. And I also loved, you said, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. And I'd love to know more about you when you were, you know, starting your career and starting your business, what were the things that you personally wanted to be known for and how did those things motivate you in kind of finding this balance in your life
1: yeah it's interesting because i think um you know your childhood shapes you a lot everybody's does that's not just me it's everybody mm-hmm. and my mom she started a bakery when i was six months old as a single mom and she worked all the time now she worked all the time as a means of survival so this is not a slam against my mom i don't know how she did it i literally she is my hero and we are so close i cannot believe how she did it at the same time she wasn't at a lot of stuff for me she wasn't at, like, uh, music recitals or, you know, soccer games a lot of time. Like, she was at a handful, but she definitely wasn't at everything. You know, there were there was things I would look out in the crowd. I remember as it being a child, in middle schooler, looking out she wasn't there. So that stuck with me as a mom to say, I want to try to be there. I want to try to be there at those things. Not, not everything. I can't be at everything. Just like she wasn't everything. But I want to try to be at a few more things that she was. I want my child to look in the audience and find my face. Um, so, so I think that for me, being at the school events, is a big deal. Now I don't have to be there every day after school. I'm okay mm-hmm. if they come home and I'm not there. But I do want to be there for field day if I can, for recitals, for grandparents day, for, you know what I mean? Like I want to be there for the events as I can so I take off work and leave work and plan ahead and move meetings where I can to be there for those events. So to me that feels balanced. To some people, they might think I want to be a stay-at-home mom and I want to be at everything. I want to see every laugh and every sneeze and everything and that's great that's not balanced to me either because one of the things my mom instilled in me is the the work ethic the hard work i love to work in fact that can be a struggle for me because i enjoy work so much i can have a bent towards being a workaholic because i enjoy it so much and so for me it's just setting boundaries on that i'm gonna i'm gonna work these hours and these days within reason and then i shut it off and then i'm gonna be there for my kids at these events these school events whatever weekends i'm fully present, but I think one of the things that makes me feel balanced, and and research actually backs this up, by the way, Michelle, Mm -hmm. is um, this is all about the chapter, step number five on be present for what matters, because if you create the most perfect schedule in the world, but you're not present for it, you miss it, so when you help people be present in the moment that they're in, so be where your feet are, then you actually, research shows, enjoy your life more, So it's not about, I need to spend more time with my kids. Maybe you just need to be present for the time you're actually spending with them. Stop scrolling Facebook, stop going through your to-do list in your mind. Stop trying to sweep the floor when they're trying to show you a class project. When I'm with my kids, I am with them. I'm focused on them. I'm not scrolling my phone. I actually put my phone out of sight so I don't see it and I'm not Hmm. tempted to pick it up. There was um, a study done, I think it was in 2010 by Harvard psychologist, to understand distraction and people's ability to be present. And they found that the more present you are, the happier you are, regardless of what you're doing. Even if you're doing something not fun, like standing in the line at the grocery store, you are happier when you're present in that moment, experiencing your life than if you're scrolling Facebook or distracted thinking about something else. Hmm. And so I think for me, it helps me be present in those moments when I'm at work I'm all in, I'm focused on work and what I'm doing and I enjoy that and I give myself permission to be there. But then when I go home, I shut it down, I close my computer, I put my phone out of sight and I'm present there. And then when you do that, you give yourself this incredible gift of actually enjoying your life. It will feel like you actually have more time because you're experiencing the time that you have.
0: I love that. I also loved you were talking about specifically having things on your to do list that seem like they're productive, but they actually aren't. And (laughs) specifically, the quote (laughs) the specific quote was, If you aren't careful, you'll spend your entire life checking boxes and never stop to ask yourself if those boxes represent anything worth doing. And that one just like hit me in the face when I was reading because for me, something that I'm so picky about is having a clean home. And I think that having a clean home is really important because I feel a lot more productive, especially working from home when things are just clean and organized. But my husband's so funny. He'll be like, you vacuumed yesterday. Why are you vacuuming again? Like you don't just always need to be cleaning. And I'd be interested to know if there are specific things that maybe when you were trying to figure out your own life balance, what were the things on your plate that you thought were being productive that actually weren't? And just to kind of help people assess maybe in their own life, what are things that they're working towards that maybe aren't actually that productive?
1: Yeah. So uh, two things about that. Cause that's such a great question. I'm so glad you brought that up because man, I struggle like this whole book is what I struggle with. That's what it should be titled with what Christy struggles with life balance. Like <laughs> It's all just things we all do every day. Right? So here's what will happen to me all the time, Michelle. I will have an idea. You know what I could do? I could hand make baby clothes for all of my friends that have little kids and they could be matching, I could do that. Well, that then goes on my to-do list, handmade baby clothes. Then it turns into something I have to do. I've got to make the baby clothes. I've got to, make, I've got to go get the fabric. Well, when am I going to, do, I got to stay up 12. What, turn, what something that starts out as something I could do, an idea, mm-hmm. turns into something I should do and a burden I hold myself to. And so what I've started to do is I've started to look at my to-do list and go like, what of this do I have to do? What of this do I want to do? What of this am I excited about doing? What of this actually matters? And Mm -hmm. so much doesn't make the cut, Michelle. So much of it does not make the cut when I ask myself those questions, because you start to say, like you're saying, does this even represent anything worth doing? Is anybody depending on this? Does this even matter? And a lot of stuff gets knocked off. But but I will say in relation to the clean house, because I am (laughs) with you, Mm -hmm. clean house is super important to me. And it is also super impossible for me with three kids on six, like they can mess up mm-hmm. faster than I can clean. And I clean all the time. Magically, my house still never cleaned somehow. And, and, and so it's like this constant struggle. I'll tell you what I've done with that though. As you reassess what balance looks like for you in any season, I think you have to figure that out um, in relation to your expectations of yourself as well. So what I would like, I would like a spotless house. That is literally impossible in this stage of life. It is impossible. I I could not clean fast enough. So what I've decided is, okay, what does balance look like for me in terms of cleanliness in this season? To me, it looks like I'm going to pick the three rooms I value the most, and I'm going to fight for those to stay clean. Kitchen, living room, and my bedroom. I spend the most Mm -hmm. of my time there, and I work hard to keep them clean. Other rooms, bonus room, my boys rooms, uh, my, my kids rooms, and my deck where the toys are play outside, I let them go. I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't fight for them. I don't stress about them. Then it just, it it helps me understand what's going to make the cut and what's going to fall below the line. And then I'm able to keep the rooms clean. I want to keep clean because it's less to worry about. And then when I walk in the bonus room and it's a huge mess, I don't feel guilty because I chose that mess. I said, yeah, that mess represents time spent somewhere else. I'm playing with my kids, I'm engaging, I'm not spending my whole life cleaning. And by the way, all they're gonna do is mess it up the next day anyway. (laughs) So I, I think that's a good lesson, whether it's about your house or anything, choose what are you gonna fight for and what are you gonna let go? Because we can't do it all, all the time, not with cleanliness and not with our time. So figure out what are you gonna fight for and what are you gonna let go? And that helps me have a little bit of peace even though I don't have the perfectly clean house that I would love to have.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, we just got a puppy golden retriever. He's five months old oh, now, I'll, but I'll, it's already getting so messy with the dog that I always think like, I can't imagine having kids. I'm always picking up this dog's toys. and like, I can't even imagine with kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, but another thing I really loved was how you talked about practical steps to creating a schedule that you want to have. And something I had never heard of until I read your book was the principle of the 25 four rule, And I'd love for you to talk more about what that is and how people could implement that into creating a schedule that works for them.
1: Well, I just made it up. That's probably why you never heard. I literally just (laughs) made something up. And this was like a few months, I mean, a few years ago, I was in a coaching session with my um, business boutique Academy members, which are all women that run businesses. And we were working through time management and I did an exercise with them similar to what I unpacked in the book. And that is, I want you to create your ideal schedule. What is your perfect schedule? Like this is the dream schedule. If I could work this, I would be so happy with how I spend my time. And it needs to have the the normal restraints that you live within. So taking kids to school or, you know, work or whatever those things are. So you create this ideal schedule and then you look at your current schedule and you say, what needs to change? And so you make 25% of changes every week for a month. And ideally, if you make 25% of changes to your current schedule every week for a month, by a month in, you should be working your ideal schedule within reason. So that might look like week one, I'm going to add a workout in on Tuesday, Thursday mornings and train myself to wake up earlier because I really value working out in my ideal schedule, I would work out. And then week two, you know what, I really need to let go of that commitment on Sunday nights. It stresses me out. I'd rather be doing laundry, getting lunches ready for the week and meal planning. That volunteer commitment, that church ministry that I go to, my heart's not in it anymore. This season is up. I need to go ahead and let them know this is going to be my last month in this commitment. I'm going to fulfill my commitment, but give them a heads up. So maybe week two, you're, mm-hmm. you're cutting some commitments that didn't make it on the ideal schedule on Sunday night. And by week three, it's like, you know what? Now, I'm going to set an earlier bedtime. I'm going to go up at 9 o'clock instead of 10 o'clock. I'm going to read for that last 30 minutes of the day because I love to end my day with reading instead of watching TV. So maybe week three, you're now training yourself to go up to bed earlier. And by week four, you've added in something that you've always wanted to do and so on. And by the end of that month, 25%, 25%, 25%, 25%, a month later, you're working your ideal schedule. It's so practical, but by making incremental changes, it takes the overwhelm out of it for you of completely overhauling your schedule and it also helps you honor your commitments as you make gradual changes that you need to make and want to make. And kind of talking about the gradual
0: changes, another thing that you talk about in your book is you know, we always think of goals and habits, but you talk about—I think it was systems of success or something along that lines of yeah. actually creating systems. And I'd love for you to share more about why you think that's kind of the thing that's most helpful for creating better habits or actually working towards goals is setting up those systems.
1: Yes, well, this is totally something I learned/slash stole from Craig Rochelle. So I take <laughs> credit for this one. I was at Entree Leadership Summit last year, and he spoke and he talked about systems. And systems sounds so boring. Like who gets excited mm-hmm. about systems? Nobody, except maybe like, you know, detail people like accountants and stuff. But anyway, I don't get excited about systems. It sounds like rules, regulations, boring, 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 boring. But he started to unpack this idea. He said, goals don't determine success. Systems do. It doesn't matter what goals you set if you don't have a system to achieve the goal. And he says, we all have systems. You either have them by intent or by default. You get to choose. And so I started realizing, wow, I had a system for waking up. My system was hitting snooze like 497 times. I had a system, it just sucked. I could create a new system that would set me up for success. And so it's just so interesting how something so simple like systems can change how you experience your life and set you up to do the things you say you wanna do. No one goes through life and goes, man, I really wanna spend my life on things that I don't care about. I wanna be out of balance, unhappy, resentful, grumpy, rushed, staring at my phone, ignoring my kids. That is the life I want. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. But there's a disconnect between what we want and what we do. One of the things that bridges Mm -hmm. that gap is a system. A system helps you do what you say you want to do. And a calendar is simply a system to help you do that.
0: Hmm. I love that. And you've touched a few times on this interview about how distracting technology can be when we're trying to, you know, focus on things that we actually want to be doing. And so I'd love to hear in your own life, you know, as someone who is an online personality who's probably on their phone quite a bit i mean i'm a content creator so my job is doing social media but something i started doing probably a couple months ago was actually sabbathing from my phone i always knew as a christian that you know holding a sabbath is really important but i never thought what if i took a day off of my phone specifically and it's been so helpful and so i'd love to hear if you have anything that has kind of changed your relationship with technology and using it with your kids like you touched on any of
1: that yeah so I have noticed and research backs this up I touch my phone more when I see it so like if it's near me I'll just pick it up over and over again and check it and unlock it even if it didn't ring or vibrate like nothing even happened it's like Mm -hmm. it's a habit we're all research shows the average iPhone user smartphone user touches their phone almost 2,500 times a day and so I thought okay it's almost this out of sight out of mind principle if i can put it out of sight i won't think about it i won't touch it so i got this box i just got it from target it's like there's nothing fancy about it it's literally a a wooden mailbox you'd put your mail in but i just sat it on the counter of my kitchen so i pass by that box every day when i come home and come in from the garage i put my phone in that box
0: Hmm. that
1: one action that system triggers my brain to say we are done with this and we are focused here I want my eyes, my attention, everything to be focused on my kids. I don't want my kids' memory of their mom growing up is of me staring at a phone. And if we're not Mm -hmm. careful, that's exactly what will happen. Not because we mean to, but because we are addicted to it and we don't realize it. I won't go into all the addictive nature of it. I talk a little bit about it in the book. John Mark Comer does a fantastic job in Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, or you could watch the documentary, uh, The Social Dilemma. But when you understand how there is... Um, a lot at work that is affecting your psychology then it helps you want to guard against it more I don't hate phones I don't hate social media I use social media for my brand and what I do as well but I do have times that I protect and I protect 5:30 to 7:30. Mm-hmm. I protect those times that I want to put it out of sight because I want to be totally present with my kids and I would just say one message to anyone that's watching that's a mom don't feel the pressure to capture every moment with your kids. I think a lot of moms feel the pressure. I got to keep my phone with me because I'm like, photograph. I need to photograph or video or something. I got forty thousand pictures on my phone. We don't, we don't need to document every sneeze. Like they're mm-hmm. fine. Like I think I had a couple of Kodak. I had a couple of photo albums of me as a kid. I don't even look through them. Like I got more pictures mm-hmm. than they'll ever look through in their lifetime. I can just enjoy the moment. I don't have to document it. I don't have to text it to grandparents. I am allowed as their mom to put my phone away and just enjoy something, not share it, not post it, not text it, not even document it, just enjoy it. And when when you remind yourself of that, it takes the pressure off and allows you to, 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 to cut the tie of I, I gotta have it with me at all times. No, you can put it in a drawer, you can leave it in your car, you can put it out of sight and it will free you up to be present for whatever's in front of you.
0: And I love how you end in your book about talking about the different seasons of life and how, you know, finding balance in your life, it's going to be different depending on the season that you're in. But there was a quote that really hit me hard because it's honestly some way that I've been feeling personally lately, but it said, wherever you are in life, you'll find what you're looking for. In any season, if you're looking for reasons to feel sad, disappointed, and angry, you'll find them. And if you're looking for reasons to be happy, grateful, and excited, you'll find those too. And I love how you mentioned making sure people have the things in their life that bring them joy to do, because a lot of times I will just be, you know, really grumpy. And you talk about as a Christian, how we're not going to be very great at spreading the news of Jesus when we're just being so grumpy. And so I'd love for you to share kind of, maybe if you ever had a period in your life where you were feeling particularly kind of stumped by this and how you kind of found the motivation in your life to find the happiness and joy and kind of be more present in your life?
1: Yeah, I, I feel like it's such a great question because we all struggle with it, if we're honest. Um, and this is a daily thing for me. This is not like, mm-hmm. oh, I just you know learned this five years ago and I've arrived, like I'm so <laughs> grateful. But I think that um, uh, one of the things that has helped me is just the simple practice of gratitude. And I know we all know that, but let me unpack it for a minute. Let me, let me, let me unpack this. So the word comparison gets a bad rap right? Like it's like comparisons that they enjoy. Don't compare. If you compare yourself with people that have more than you, then you feel sad and jealous and envious. And if you compare yourself with people that have less than you, then you're prideful and arrogant and boastful and whatever. Comparison's evil. And, And I don't think it is. I actually think comparison, especially when you compare yourself with people that have less than you, it creates gratitude for most people. Most people, when you think of someone that has less than you, you feel a sense of gratitude. When I pull in the driveway and I am so frustrated because my kids have left all of their riding contraptions out in the driveway and I can't park my car, and I get frustrated because I've told them to put their, their bikes away a hundred million times. If I stop in that moment, and instead of being mad and angry and frustrated and want to just, you know, come in the, I told you, you know, instead of that, I think there are people that would give anything to have some bicycles in their driveway. Mm-hmm. There are people that would give anything to have children of their own. There are people that would give anything to have money to buy bicycles new from Walmart or Target or online. Mm -hmm. When I compare myself with people that have less than me, it gives me a deep, deep sense of gratitude. And that's not to bring guilt or shame or sadness or anything. I think there's just, when you have gratitude, it just changes your whole perspective. You know, you talked about getting a puppy. I had a dog, Jackson, that I got senior year of college. And I had him 11 and a half years and he was a Bernese mountain dog and their life expectancy expected <sighs> seven to 10 years. And he yeah. lived 11 and a half. And I remember telling a story similar to this one where, you know, I'd get so frustrated. He had hair everywhere, hair everywhere <laughs> he had the big, thick black coat. And it'd just be like these like tumbleweeds in the corners of our house. And he'd get mud on the carpet and I was mm-hmm. always cleaning it up. And when I'd get frustrated with mud on the carpet, I would think there will be a day when he's gone
0: that mm-hmm. I would give anything
1: to have these tumbleweeds of fur in the corner of my house. And Jackson's gone now. He's been gone three years. When you have gratitude, when you have perspective, it helps you embrace and find the good in the moment that you're in. Because what we often do is we focus on the bad in the moment that we're in and the good in our past. Oh, remember in high school when we were so carefree? In high school, we just want to go to college. When we we're in college. We just wanted to get on our own and make our own money. When we got on our own, we just want to get married. When we got married, we just want to have kids. We just want to have a bigger house. A bigger, we, it's like the, the, the country music song. You're going to miss this. And so if we can have gratitude and appreciation for right where we are right now, what is so good about having little kids, they are exhausting for sure. Peanut butter is smeared everywhere for sure. And also, They look so stinking cute in their tiny pajamas and they snuggle in my lap and they don't say their Mm -hmm. words right. And it just melts my heart and I'll never get that back. There will be a day that my house does not have peanut butter on the walls and I won't have those snuggles. So focus on the good in the season that you're in, not only so you don't wish it away, but so you actually get to enjoy it and experience it. And I think it will change your perspective on how you Mm -hmm. feel in any season, good ones or hard ones. Hmm. Part of me just wants to end the interview
0: there. Cause I feel like that was a mic drop moment. <laughs> so good. My last question I wanted to ask you was one that I thought was really interesting because I never heard this, especially from like a Christian perspective was your outlook on happiness. And you talked about how so many people kind of discourage, you know, God doesn't just want you to be happy. He wants you to be X, Y, and Z and how there's this difference between joy and happiness. And I'd love for you to share. It can be short too, just on, why you think it's okay to want to be happy, especially as a Christian, and how that kind of influences your mindset around your book too.
1: Yes. So I love this. And so much of what I've shared in the book and those specific examples, that's something I learned from someone else. I learned this from um, Allie Worthington, her book, Mm -hmm. and she talked about how only in the last hundred years or so, there has been a distinction between happiness and joy original translations of the text of the bible joy and happiness were interchangeable and so i think we as a culture have always said choose joy choose joy choose joy and choose joy is fine joy is wonderful joy joy is fantastic i don't dislike joy joy also feels a little bit like a consolation prize when you can't just be happy right and we feel guilty for wanting to be happy and i think it's okay to want to be happy in your life I think that's okay i don't think god always promises we'll be happy i don't think that it's just this life on this earth, whether you're a believer or not, is this perfect path to happiness, but it's okay to want to be happy. It's okay to want to enjoy this one life you've been given. And in fact, if, if you look at scripture, a verse that kept coming up last week for me was if you who are sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father know how and desire to give good gifts to you? If your child comes to you and asks for, you know, fish, would you give him a stone? If he asks for bread, would you give him a snake? It's like, no, you would give your child something that would make him happy, something that he wants, um, because you love him. How much more does your heavenly father want to do that for you? And we know that doesn't mean that he's a genie in a bobble, bo- bottle, that you rub the lamp and get what you want. We know every prayer is not going to answer how we want it to be answered. We know it's not a prosperity gospel, if this, then this, but we also know that our heavenly father tells us again and again in his word that he loves us he works things together for our good and he has good plans for us and i think if we cling to that and build our life on it we can know it's okay to want that it's okay to pray for that and it's okay to want to be happy in this one life you've been given
0: Hmm, so good. Well, I'm sure there are a lot of people who are listening or probably interested in the book now. So I'd love for you to share <laughs> kind of when it comes out, the pre-order where they can find it. It's Aww.
1: called take, take back your time, the guilt-free guide to life balance. And you can get that on ramseysolutions.com. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes Noble, wherever books are sold. You can follow me on Instagram at Christy B. Wright. Mm-hmm. And I'm always sharing tips and behind the scenes stories of the book and and success stories of how people are living out balance in their life as well. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
0: I just wanted to note that Christy's presale for her book actually goes up on July 12th. So if you guys are interested in getting it, I'll have the link in the description. But I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. I hope you enjoyed this guest episode. If you have any other guests, feel free to just DM me on Instagram. That's always where I take Instagram requests. It's just at Michelle Reed. And I will try to reach out to these people and get them on the podcast. So let me know if you enjoyed. Feel free to write a review. Feel free to just tag me in an Instagram story. If you guys are listening, I'm thinking of doing some sort of Giveaway for people who kind of share how they're listening and their favorite part of the episode or something on instagram And so i'll think of something for that some sort of gift card where I can gift one person who tags me I think that that would be really fun, but I love you guys I hope you guys have a great week and I will check in with you guys in my next episode. Bye friends (laughs)